Hey church, it's Matthew, and I am privileged to be able to speak to you today and to share a little bit what has been placed on my heart to encourage you and to exhort you. We just finished up a sermon series called The Journey, where we really looked at the call to make disciples and how we are to come alongside those around us and to have others come alongside us. And we're about to start a sermon series where we are studying who our God is and how the reality of his quality and character can transform our lives. And in the midst of that today, I just, I gotta be honest, I have something that uh, I just want to share in the midst of everything going on in the world. And, and as I have been preparing for this, as I have been studying, every time I have sat down to try to write out my words, I have been unable to do so. And so today I'm just sharing from my heart. And so I have been praying that the Lord will speak through me. And I covet your prayers even right now that the words that I speak would be from the Lord because I am no prophet, but I believe what the Lord has put on my heart is something that we as the church need to hear because I believe at the end of the day, church, we need to move forward and not look back. We cannot hope to return to what was, but we have to look forward and to recognize what our God is doing and be responsive to that call to move forward. So I'm going to pray. I want you to pray with me, and then I'm just going to, to share what the Lord has put on my heart. Father, you are all-sufficient. You are in control. We can trust in you, put our confidence in you. And that, Lord, is what... I seek to do right now, Lord. I yield completely. I pray, Lord, that none of my flesh would get in the way of your spirit, that your spirit would fill me, God. I ask that you fill me now and that your truth would pour forth, your exhortation would pour forth, and that our hearts would be moved to respond, that we would not be still, that we would repent of whatever you call us to repent to, and that would be, we would be spurred to step forward boldly into a world that is being shaken, that we can be your instruments of truth and peace to that world, that your love would shine forth through us, Lord. Speak through me today that you would be glorified. This is not me. <laughs> this is not me, Lord. This is not what I am comfortable with. In fact, I'm uncomfortable right now. Lord, you, you, can, you know my heart. You know my nerves, which the weightiness of this, Lord, you know. Lord, don't let me get in your way and speak. Lord, we ask that you speak in Jesus' name. 
Church, our country is being shaken right now from all of the coronavirus stuff, which was just mild, to the race response to the murder of George Floyd, which is more intense, yet still just preparation for what is to come, we have to wake up and recognize that the world is being shaken. That the enemy in the midst of this time, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the one who is trying to deceive us and confuse us and to get us to fall into apathy and complacency and inaction, is desiring to keep us where we always have been or to respond with anger and outrage that has no transformational power of love and hope and truth with the gospel. Church, we cannot fall for those ploys. We have to wake up and we have to be prepared and we have to be ready to move as the Lord shakes because our God is not standing still in the midst of this. He is moving as well, even as the enemy moves, and he is preparing us to be the church that we have always been called to be because church, by and large, as a whole, we have failed to do what we have call, been called to do. We have failed to make disciples that we have been called to make. The Lord Jesus called us in his very last command in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us to do, knowing that he will be with us for all time, even to the end of the age. And church, we have not done a very good job of that. And now I'm talking in our recent past. We have been lulled as a church, as a, a corporate body in the West into a sense of complacency. And we have bought the lie that our weekend services need to be the vehicle through which the world is reached. We have bought the lie that our weekend services need to be the place that we receive our spiritual nourishment, that that is the primary place that it has to come from. We have bought the lie that if I just speak up, when I see something that outrages me and I do nothing more, that I am lending my voice to change. Church, it is time that we wake up and that we move, that we mobilize, that we are motivated to love. And that is what we have been missing. We have been trapped in the comforts and trappings of our cultural complacency and apathy. And the Lord is saying, I am going to shake those things and wake my people up. And by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, church, it is time to wake up. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10 that we are to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers to the harvest, because 
the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Well, guess what, church? The laborers are not few anymore. The laborers are asleep. And we need to wake up and move. And if we are not moving, it's not because we don't hear, it's because we don't love. And that's really what this comes down to. We get so focused on ourselves and our household and our church and our way that we lose sight of the call to get up and move and love and to share truth and to boldly proclaim the gospel. I have several passages that I want to read through, and I'm not going to be expositional. I'm going to read them and just make some remarks, and my hope and my goal is that the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of the Lord will capture us to move us. The first of those passages is from Matthew chapter 24, and the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Lord, how will we know when the end is coming? And this is what Jesus said, starting in verse 3 of Matthew 24. And Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains." Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray because lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And his, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Church, we're not here yet. But chronologically speaking, we're much closer to this point than when Jesus spoke these words. And from a moment perspective, from a season perspective, from the kairos that is going on, it is undeniable that the world is being shaken, that our country is being shaken. And the Lord is giving that to us as a mercy to prepare us for the more difficult things that are coming. And church, if all we are seeking to do is get back to the way that we were, we will not be prepared. If all we are doing is hoping to go back to sitting passively in a pew and hearing a sermon and singing some songs, then we are missing the point. Our God loves us too much to let us go back to that. He loves us too much for us to be passive 
He is trying to get us to move and to act and to respond, that we would show the world around us what love looks like through relationship, through intentional engagement with those around us. And as things get worse and worse, we cannot be alarmed, Jesus said, because that's what has to happen. Instead, we share our outrage when yet another black man is murdered. We stand up with our brothers and sisters and cry out for justice. We stand side by side with the men and women who have sworn to protect us, and we pray for them, and we pray for our communities to be healed and our country to be healed, and we stand up against ridiculous things that our government is trying to do to keep us down, but we do so knowing that the enemy is moving and the Lord is allowing it because he is preparing hearts to hear the truth and to be open and ready for the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of the gospel, that there is a better way, there is a peace that passes all understanding that does not depend on the circumstances around us, that does not depend on the comfort of our homes or the placid nature of our lives. Instead, it firmly rests on the hope we have in Christ. That is what we are called to share. And it's not going to happen if we just sit in our pews, sit in our homes, sit in our cubicles, and just pine over the way that things used to be, and lament at hoping to get back to the way it was. Church, it's time to wake up. We cannot be those dead bones anymore. We need to be prepared because the Lord is going to continue to move. He is going to continue to shake. If you have your Bibles and you care to, turn over to the book of Acts. And I just want to walk us through what the Lord did with the early church. We already heard the command in Matthew 28 where the Lord said, go and make disciples. And then before his ascension in Acts chapter 1, I'm just going to start in verse 6. It says this, So when they had come together, they, the disciples, and all those gathered, asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Look, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I hope he comes back soon, but all that means is it's going to get worse. but it's not for us to know when, it's for us to be prepared. And this is what Jesus said, verse six, but you will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, the Holy Spirit of God when he has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come, praise God, in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back. Amen? Let me hear some amens. Come on, come on, let's go. He's coming back, and we are called to be prepared, but we have a job to do until then. That is why he has given us his Holy Spirit. It's not just for our sake. The Lord did not save you just so you can have confidence in your own salvation. The Lord saved you because you have a job to do, church. We have a job to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, whatever that looks like for us. And let me just say that most of us haven't even made an effort to go to our Jerusalem. And so the Lord is shaking us. He's shaking us to get us to move. In Acts chapter 2, I'm not going to read it, but the Spirit of God was poured out, and Peter and the apostles and the disciples that were in the upper room, they stood up and they preached And people were saved because they boldly proclaimed the truth in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were persecuted and they were imprisoned. And when they got together, they didn't pray for protection. They didn't pray that they would receive justice. They didn't pray that the world would be fixed and made whole. What did they pray for in Acts chapter 4? They prayed for boldness. They prayed that the Spirit of God would fill them to go out and share the hope that they had in Jesus Christ. And that is what we need to pray for. Yes, we want to see justice for those who are being oppressed. Yes, we want to see peace and shalom and wholeness come into a broken system, a broken world, a broken culture. Yes, we want to be able to freely worship our God, but church, none of those things are the main thing. The main thing is the gospel of Christ going forth in love and and with earnestness because we see the brokenness. We see what is happening around us. And we know that the only way that is going to change is person by person, life by life, as hearts are renewed through the power of the gospel and the power of the Spirit making the hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And so the disciples, they preached in Jerusalem and they preached in Judea. And guess what? They got comfortable. They reached out, and the church grew, and the Lord moved, and he continued to move. And people were being saved, but it was not what the Lord called them to do. He called them to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, but they weren't moving to respond to the Lord because they were comfortable. They had vision that was fixed on reaching the Jewish people alone, people that they were comfortable with, people that they knew they could talk to with ease. And the Lord said, no, that's not my plan. That's not what I've called you to do. I want you to do more. And so what happened? Well, the Lord allowed their world to be shaken. And he did it in a way far more aggressively 
than is happening right now. He allowed one of their best and brightest, Stephen, to stand up and preach a message to the Sanhedrin, and then he was murdered. And the Lord used that death to propel his church, to move them to action. Except it wasn't in a way where we stand up and rally around Stephen. The church came under persecution. People were thrown in jail. People were killed. And the church dispersed. And they left their place of comfort. They left their homes of safety, and they were forced to go out into the world and to share the gospel with a new group of people out of their comfort zones. And lo and behold, the first thing that happens is that some of the disciples get to go to Samaria, and there is a revival in Samaria. And then Philip gets to go and speak with a black man, an Ethiopian eunuch, and he receives the truth and he takes the gospel to his country and there is revival, church history tells us. Why? Because the Lord shook the church and they responded boldly in faith and people were saved. The love of Christ went forth. The hope of the gospel went forth. And it transformed hearts and made a difference in the communities and in the cities and in the regions of the world that the Christians went to. And that is what we are being called to today. Peter, one of the apostles, had to be shaken yet again in a vision by the Lord to get up out of his comfort zone and go to a Gentile, Cornelius. And the Lord saved that Gentile centurion and his entire household. And I love chapter 11 in Acts in verse 19. Listen to this. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, all Gentile places, speaking the word to no one except Jews. They resisted the shaking. They tried to stay in their comfort zone. But where did the fruit come from, church? Verse 20, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, that is, the Greeks, Gentiles, people outside of their comfort zone, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord." So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. 
When did the church first start to be set apart, to really look like little Christs, was it what Christians means? It's when they were operating as a diverse community, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, red, yellow, black, and white, all coming together in the name of Jesus Christ, where they were all on equal ground because some were bold enough to get out of their comfort zone and go and preach the love of the gospel. Church, the Lord is shaking us so that we wake up and do the same thing. It is time to be Christians, those who are seeking to be little Christs, and Christ never sat back and did nothing. He was not complacent. He was not silent. He wisely and discerningly went out and proclaimed the truth. And church, that is what we are called to do, and we have to respond. We can't look back to try to get to where we were before. Let me just be really straight with you. If all we're hoping to do is get back to a Saturday night or Sunday morning worship service, the Lord still has to shake you more. Because that's not what the Lord is calling us to, church. He wants us to see the big picture. He wants us to have a heart for the lost and to be moved out of our comfort zone. Yes, I can't wait to get back to worship with my brothers and sisters side by side, praising our God. But there's so much more to it than that. Let's turn back to Acts chapter 2. This is at the end of the chapter, starting in verse 42. This is how the early church did it. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Church, we are trying to be intentional about seizing this moment to get together in what we are calling growth groups small home gatherings where we can encourage each other and spur one another on and to see the Spirit of God move and do miracles and change our hearts and have a platform and a place to launch and to go and reach our neighbors and reach our coworkers and reach our family, reach our kids, to go out and, and share the truth with them that the Holy Spirit may grab hold of their hearts and pull them in with the hope of the gospel. Too many of us have neglected that. Too many of us have not seen the priority that that has to play in a healthy, vibrant discipleship of Christ. 
We are called as the church to sharpen one another, to exhort one another every day, as long as it's called to get today, to stir one another up to love and good works, and not neglect to meet together as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another all the more as the day draws near. Church, every day the day draws near. We need to stand up and we need to encourage and exhort and spur one another on. That doesn't mean just coming together and passively praying and shaking hands and giving hugs and then going home and not saying each other anymore and thinking that your faith is all about your own spiritual growth. Church, the Lord saved us that we may grow and become more like him, but he saved us so that we would get out and move, that we would get out and love, that we would get up and stand up for justice as we bring the hope of the gospel into the conversation, that we would listen to those who are hurting, and that we would love. And yes, we come together in the temple to worship and pray, but that is not the context that we evangelize. That is not the context that we hope to get our week's worth. Yes, it'll be a tremendous encouragement to many of us. Yes, it will spur us on and give us hope and send us out, but where we are to be sharpened, where we are to break bread and to pray and to love and to fellowship is in our smaller communities. And if you are not seeking that, then if, let me just tell you, by God's grace, wake up. Get out of your comfort zone and find brothers and sisters to meet with. Invite your friends. I don't care if they don't go to Cornerstone. Get them in together and pray and seek the Lord. Fast together. Go out and, and live life together and invite in your unsaved friends that they can see what love looks like. That's what Jesus said. He said that the world will know my disciples by your love for one another. How is the world going to see our love if we are not inviting them into context where we actually walk in love? That requires intentionality. That requires priority. And the Lord has given us a gift of stripping away everything right now. He has stripped everything away so that you can rebuild your life around the priority of the gospel so that you can rebuild your walk around the call to make disciples. And if that means leaving things off that you used to do, praise God, ask him to give you the strength to do it. Do not busy yourselves with so much fluff that you cannot make community a priority. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because the Lord's showing you right now in your heart, I have no doubt of it. Do not fall into the trap that the world wants to lull you into with complacency and busyness, with things that have no eternal value. Prioritize properly as we re-engage, as we come together as the church, to love and to share that love boldly. I keep saying that, church, because that is the message. That is what the Lord is calling us to. Don't be, don't be 
outraged that we're not meeting for worship services, thank the Lord that he is giving us the opportunity to reconfigure our expectations as to what the call of God is to worship, that we come together in small community and we boldly evangelize through that community. And when the time comes when we can come together as a family, we worship our God and we praise our God as a family all together. And we look forward to getting back to small fellowships that we can chew on things together and, and lament together and to spur one another on together. Church, it is time for these dry bones to wake up. And this is what the Lord called us to, what he called his people to in Ezekiel. And I'm just going to read this passage because every time I read it, it gives me chills. But church, this is an Ezekiel 37 moment. This is an Acts 8 moment. The Lord is shaking things and he is going to pour out his spirit upon those who call for it, who seek it, who ask him to move. The Lord will respond. This is what the word of God says. The hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Church, <laughs> this is us. And I know there are parts of your life right now that you understand are dry and dead. Praise God, that's okay, because he is giving us a call right now. He is giving us a call to wake up and have his breath fill us, 
that our dry bones would be mobilized to be the army of God that we are called to be. Not an army of violence, but an army of love as we step out and we share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, who alone can save, who alone is the strong foundation upon which we stand, who alone brings justice, who alone brings truth, who alone changes hearts and lives. That is what we boldly proclaim, and we ask for his spirit to fill us. Church, ask for his spirit to fill you, that you would have the wisdom to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove as you go out and you share that truth. Do not fall for the lies of the enemy and the complacency and the apathy and being outraged over things that don't move you to Jesus. Be outraged and bring Jesus to that. He is the solution. Stand up for justice and point to the Lord as the just one. He is the example. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for the oppressed and point them all to Jesus. Build relationships with the lost who are looking everywhere right now for an answer, and we have it. Do not be lulled. Church, wake up in Jesus' name. I pray that the Spirit of God would fill us. I pray that the four winds of the earth would blow forth, that we would be filled as a church that our bones would have the word of God enrich them and our sinews and our flesh would be filled with the life that only the Spirit brings. Fall on your knees and ask the Lord for that. There is no other way. Repent of our sin of apathy and complacency and prioritizing other things over Him. Seek your brother and sister. Exhort them. Spur them on. Stir them up. Because the day is drawing near. The end is coming. And every day we get closer. We have to have the urgency as the world shakes more and more. We're not even in the lightest birth pangs. But it's coming. And it's going to get harder. And this is a warm-up for that. Let us seize the moment and be the people of God. Church, I love you. And I love our God. And I love the people around me. And I'll be the first one to admit that I need to do a better job. And right now, I am trying to be obedient to what the Lord is calling me to do. And I have the opportunity to call you. And so that's what I'm doing. But as a man, I am right here with you, receiving this, and I am ready to move. Let's be the army the Lord has called us to. Let's mobilize, and let's preach the gospel in love and truth to the glory of our God. Amen? Amen, church. Let's pray. Lord, do it. Just do it. Just fill us with your spirit. Let us fall in our knees in repentance and let us stand up 
in your grace and your mercy, boldly proclaiming your gospel. Let us find our neighbors. Let us find our family, find our friends who you have prepared their hearts to hear. And let us boldly engage in conversation, knowing that you are going to give us the words, Father. Thank you for that. We, we know it's already done. And so, Lord, we ask expecting and knowing that you give to the one who asks. We seek and we find. We knock and have the door opened, Lord, to the hearts of those who you have prepared. So, Lord, move, wake us up, fill us with boldness. I pray, Lord, that we would be shaken with your power. Now, we would not seek to go back to the way it was, but we would look forward to what you are doing and that we would obediently respond to make disciples wherever you take us, holding very loosely the things of this world and sharing your love, Lord, as we go, sharing Christ, sharing hope and truth and mercy and justice. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's go, church.